Hello, I'm Rachel Babin from the Oncology Network. Welcome to the Oncology Podcast's Experts on Point series. What is ChatGPT? Will it revolutionize the way patients find healthcare information? How does it compare to Dr. Google's responses? What are the benefits and risks of this emerging technology? This is the second of two podcasts exploring the fascinating new world of artificial intelligence, chatbots, and ChatGPT. I'm continuing my conversation with Ganesh and Kichinadasi and Ashley Hopkins on the role of ChatGPT in revolutionizing cancer patient information. Ganesh and Kichinadasi is a medical oncologist and a pharmacologist in South Australia, and he also lectures at Flinders University. Ashley Hopkins is a pharmacist and lead of the Clinical Cancer Epidemiology Lab at Flinders. If you missed the first episode, I do recommend starting with that. So head over to episode 18 before listening to today's episode. You can find it on our websites, oncologynews.com.au and oncologynetwork.com.au, as well as your favorite podcast streaming apps. And just a reminder that to access all of our free podcasts, including our popular series on diagnostics called Beyond the Slide, registered healthcare professionals are invited to join us on the Oncology Network. Head over to our website to find out more. It's free and only takes a moment. This is Rachel Babin, and this is the Oncology Podcast. So, Ganesh, million-dollar question now. Will it create a paradigm shift in the way cancer patients are going to access information? I was going to say uh, it is impressive what ChatGPT is able to spit out in terms of responses to the questions and the conversational component and the summary component. Yes, it is going to be an additional tool for most of us looking for searches or responses quickly. Is it going to replace Google search? With the payment requirement, it may not be as simple in the newer versions. Google is still free for most people at this stage. So that may be one barrier. And in my clinical practice, I haven't seen many people asking or telling me, I searched in ChatGPT and mm-hmm. I found this as, except my brother, he, he was talking about some new symptom he's been noticing and he put the question in ChatGPT and came up, hey, this is my diagnosis, you know this, right? He's not a medically trained person and he's trying to self-diagnose, which Mm. you couldn't get the right answer through Dr. Google. So, yes, it is going to be part and parcel of what we say. Instead of saying Google search, you're going to say chat GPT said so. A bard said so to me, right? And my reading of the social media and other what is currently coming up, I think some AI component will be incorporated in most of this highly sought after cancer information providing web pages. I'm using Cancer Council webpage, one of the Mm go-to resource for people in Australia. And can we have a conversational AI, which is able to provide summary information for the questions being posed rather than a PDF document or a web page showing thousands of words of information about lung cancer, for example. Mm. Yeah, it's a very valid point. The cancer cancer resources are incredible, but some of them, you know, guidelines and things like that are very dense as well. So there you see a future use in perhaps in that kind of providing a summary of resources that are already out there that could perhaps be a little bit overwhelming 
And then when we bring in that empathy factor and the friendly voice, that's how you kind of see the future of this technology in your practice. Absolutely. That's really fascinating. And what about you, Ash? Do you agree? Are we looking at the beginning of a revolution? I would say yes. (laughs) I think around access to information, I think it, it may be good to frame it in terms of provision of information. These technologies are generative, so we can make, hopefully, quality information much quicker. And and sometimes that will be in formats in which are easier to educate students, but also patients. So people like being able to view things in video format, figures, as well as text. And I guess the ability to make all of these different domains of information is going to be revolutionized by these generative AI technologies. So there's an element of being able to have this conversational chatbot where you can have conversations, which will be new, which isn't currently in Google. But also, hopefully, we can use these generative capacities to make more information from quality resources as opposed to when people currently go to the internet. They can have five different questions and they end up on five different sites. Hopefully, we can get to a point where the questions that are asked by many different people, which currently rely on this kind of five different working groups that are all trying to, oh, they've noticed this question wasn't answered, so we're going to try to fill that gap. People can hopefully come together and provide that information from one kind of trusted source because we have these generative capacity like advancements. So it will be a collaborative tool as well as providing information. Yeah, well, I I think it it has to be (laughs) because there has to be some sort of quality control on on information. So, I mean, the chatbots, they need to be monitored to make sure that they're giving quality information. And also, (laughs) if you want to centralize some of the most trusted resources, hopefully technologies like this will make it so people can come together and provide it in certain locations. So, Yeah, I I think that that will really change the way in which the internet functions and the way we we function. Mm. And so the monitors, it sounds a bit Terry Pratchett-esque, doesn't it? It's a bit like the auditors. So who will monitor the monitors? Will the monitors be something technology-based or is this going to be, this is where the human beings come back in, do you think? (laughs) I watched the Google CEO And Mm -hmm. and I don't think it's often that you would see the tech companies admit to a need for some domains of regulation. But Mm. the Google CEO was indicating that these technologies are profound enough that they would expect that there will be independent people out there that establish either through government systems or (laughs) working groups that there will be independent monitors of these technologies, I think is obviously has the capacity to extend beyond health. But in terms of just kind of raw numbers, there's probably 30 researchers and technicians working on developing these kind of generative AI tools. And then there'll be one person where their kind of research focuses around trying to monitor for safety. And that's probably maybe not the balance that's required. So I think we need to be able to train people in being able to test and monitor and evaluate 
AI tools in terms of capacity. And I guess that's something that we've started playing around with. Yeah. Yes, it's a technology that brings up a lot of questions, I think. Ganesh, in your day-to-day, can you see other uses for this kind of technology? So, you know, when we rock up to the emergency department, at some point, is there going to be a hologram speaking to us, triaging us, saying, okay, have you got these symptoms? What's going on? I'm not sure holograms yet. (laughs) (laughs) Especially when you're walking into an emergency, when you're in pain or distress, a broken Mm. arm. We will allow a human connection, I guess, a kind, empathetic person, compassionate person sitting in front of us, trying to triage and talking to us, managing. I've been in the receiving end, going to emergencies. Mm-hmm. And I can see how difficult it would be for me to press here for the next person, answer this question before you could move to the next station. The kind of robotic voice asking those questions may not be appealing. Mm. One of easy area of application I see coming up is bookings, based clinic bookings and coordinating scans and chemotherapy appointments and education with the nurses and coordinating with the multidisciplinary team meeting and the data around it. How can we help automation and also providing a concise summary outcome from the multidisciplinary team meeting to the patient and the family. Mm-hmm. I see that as a, a big application potentially coming out and also allowing the healthcare providers navigate some of the information, what is available for their own self-learning and training. There's a huge amount of research coming out every day, how do we keep abreast? I want a a chunk, a bite-sized summary of yesterday's development and today's development. Mm -hmm. It could have scientific language, it could have lay language, it could have a generative capacity in terms of providing me as a starting point for research ideas too. I touched on drug development strategies using chat gpt as an example also seen other spin out companies looking at matching clinical trials for the disease and the illnesses people are facing imagine putting in a question i got lung cancer i've been told to have stage four find me the suitable trial for me in australia right which always seems like it should be an easy question to answer but as we know it's not an easy question to answer at all the use in terms of supporting education and administration tasks, which in some respects frees up the humans to do the things that they do best, which is the communication, the empathy, the getting to the root of what perhaps what symptoms might be really affecting a patient's quality of life. So you're excited it's going to give you more time, hopefully. Hopefully, I mean, not just chat GPT, but AI in general, mm. reducing this kind of monotonous tasks and mm-hmm. free up the human connection and human conversation. Yes. The time to do this. Ash, what's next for you? You're very into AI. Are you going to do some more research projects? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're definitely continuing our research on machine learning uh, capacities to, to predict patient outcomes from data. In terms of choosing the right medicine for the right patient, 
we can see the way in which language models are going to help probably increase our capacities to access electronic health records because you've got case notes and then trying to structure that data has been a task <laughs> that has been eluding <laughs> everyone for a really, really long time. So in terms of what I do, we can see that these models might make it so that we can get towards making electronic health record databases that have more information in them. And the, the irony of having more information is then that the, the machine learning techniques that we're using to do predictions will get better. And then in terms of these large language models, ChatGPT, Newbing, Bard and, and Google all having their own kind of available resources. We're also running a series of projects trying to evaluate the quality <laughs> of the information that they're giving out. We're working through, I guess, the American Cancer Society. They have guidelines or recommendations to patients on what they should be looking for in terms of grading the quality of the information that they're looking at on the internet. Uh, and we're trying to work towards understanding, well, again, what questions are commonly answered and then what are the scorecard on these different tools that are all out there in terms of answering the questions that are commonly answered. So they're the things we're working on. Well, definitely keep us posted. It really does feel like this is the beginning. Now, as I mentioned, we will include a link to the paper in the show notes. So if you want to look into what these guys were doing in more detail, you can find that on the website. Ganesh, are there any other resources you'd like to mention that listeners might find helpful if they want to learn more? I've been following, it's, it's another online, I would say, a platform called The Verge. They have this focus on digital technologies and I've seen series of papers and interviews coming out. It's not medical based, but it's more social discussion around mm -hmm. this concept. I mean, that's one area I would suggest to keep a track on anything which is coming up. However, to learn individually about this generative AI, I'm not very sure if there is a place to go. But my wish is, is there someone working on a cancer GPT? are something focused on cancer-specific information, mm -hmm. both for consumers and patients and carers and the healthcare providers, where at one place to go for getting accurate, precise information on the questions being put towards the generative AI. I don't know if someone is working on That's my wish. The concept that ChatGPT, but also, I guess, Google have their MedPalm, which kind of Ganesh was going on the lines of these chatbots tailored towards being able to do better in medicine. Some of these things have been able to pass med entry exams to reasonable degrees. So, I mean, that highlights, I mean, if they can pass the med entry exam, how useful are they to students in medicine as something to help them learn because they, to a pretty reasonable level, understand the information it probably to a point that if you've got a first year student and obviously a better tool than talking to their other first year student that knows nothing <laughs> but yeah i guess it, it was probably that was that they have i mean chat gpt has passed it and then i guess google has their med palm model which is somewhat tailored towards using health data to do better with answering health questions yeah, I agree. So that seems to be much more directed towards health questions and more scholarly answers, I guess, towards health problems. 
I was going to ask you, Rachel, did you use ChatGPT to generate these questions for us? I didn't. But do you know what? I did think about it. So I read quite an interesting article just on sort of it was a, a podcasting newsletter sort of industry thing that I get and someone did use it to generate questions. And I thought, that's very interesting. But yeah, I'm not sure I'm ready to use the tool in that way yet. And actually, most of my questions come from the conversation. The questions we prepare are very much just the framework, but it is interesting, isn't it? Yeah, save time, but also, I don't know. When it comes to things about news and media, it makes me a little bit nervous. But uh, it'll, be a, it'll be a very, very interesting time. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It does really feel like our reality is inching forward into the realms of science fiction every day now with things like nanodrugs and chatbots and so on. I think we will wrap it up there. Thank you both very much for indulging me and taking the time to explore this in such detail today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel, for having us. My pleasure. You've been listening to the Oncology Podcast, Experts on Point Series, brought to you by the Oncology Network. To hear more podcast episodes, head over to our Oncology portal at www.oncologynetwork.com.au. Registration is free for healthcare professionals and we'll give you access to exclusive content, such as our diagnostic series, Beyond the Slide. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please share it with your colleagues. This is Rachel Bavin, and this is the Oncology Podcast. <laughs>